Welcome back to the Panda Manga Podcast. This is JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, The Brian. That's right, folks. We are back. Bigger, stronger, faster, harder. Skip to the end and cigarette. <laughs> so this is this is podcast number six. The subject today is comics. We have some uh, a special guest with us in the studio today. Uh, it is Casey, aka Tigerpaw. Now we've heard a couple of of Tigerpaw or Casey's work or uh, songs on the podcast several times. Always very good. Actually, the intro song is and is, outro and and outro song are Clockwise Direction, the original the original track by Tigerpaw. So we're very excited to have him in the studio with us. He's going to riff with us a little bit on the subjects, as well as do a live song, or maybe two. We'll see. So, very excited to have you, Casey. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's I'm so good. I'm <laughs> excited. Well, we go back a long way. We do. We do. Casey and I go back a very long way. Kindergarten? Yep. Kindergarten? Yep. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And we're, you yep. know, 28. <laughs> hey, I'm 27. I'm, 27. Still, I'm still riding that. Uh, yeah, you're still, yeah. You're still, is... still in swaddling clothes. Yes. <laughs> and as always on the comic segment, we have our comic pro writer and comic professional commentator, Joe. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me back. Excellent. We're so glad to have Joe with us. Joe, again, is the one-stop shop for all comic info, especially in, and in particularly professional comic information. So, again, thanks for being on the show, Joe. Yeah, of course. So, let's see. What do we have on the schedule today? First, I'd like to talk a little housekeeping. So, <laughs> today on the housekeeping, so today on the housekeeping I, mostly I just wanted to cover why there's been a pause in the releases of the podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit about that on the blog recently, and so I know some of you guys don't read the blog, which makes me cry. <laughs> but anyway, we talked about it a little bit on the blog, and I was very vague, and the reason I was vague about who was ill and why we missed the podcast releases was because not everybody in our family and group of friends had been let had oh you don't know about this yet do you casey i'm i'm fresh ears (laughs) (laughs) oh wow uh anyway uh i've been i was a little bit tight-lipped about who was going through the medical challenges but no i did talk about this anyway uh so for those of you that haven't reading the blog haven't been keeping up on things recently my mother was diagnosed with cancer and it's totally operable it's we're it's treatable they're looking to cure it it's it's very good uh we're going to be fine but you know those first couple weeks of learning about that were really scary and of course you know the way you tend to learn about cancer is there's some kind of pain and it doesn't go away with normal meds or things and therapies and you're like what's happening and so long story short we found out that that's what it was we had got a game plan actually went to stanford because pandemanga is based out of california and so, you know, we're close to Stanford, and Stanford is one of the best hospitals there is. So we had the, the incredible fortune of going to Stanford and having them look at her over. And so uh, eventually we ended up, uh, she ended up having a surgery and is doing great, recovering well. And, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, her getting back on her feet and being healthy again. You know, there's no, likely going to be, you know, some chemotherapy and some radiation stuff, you know, the normal kind of cancer routine for those of you that aren't familiar with the cancer routine which unfortunately I am. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's why we had a slowdown. I mean, I quite literally spent 
the last last week, the entire week, like sitting in the ICU waiting room and visiting mom, and so it, it was, it's been insane. And so we, you know, collectively talked about it and decided to pull back and and not put that pressure on me as well, <laughs> or, or you know, try to make that all work out. And everybody was really flexible and cool about it. And uh, anyway, so that's that's the whole story. That's why we took some time. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really gonna. Blame you for taking a couple of weeks off. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I sure you have do. a lot of rights. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, the Brian is, is very picky. Yes, <laughs> very picky and unforgiving. Right, so so first on our schedule is the Indie Review. So the Indie Review this time, we actually have two Indie Reviews. Mm-hmm. Joe has prepared one, and as, as have I. So um, why don't you go first, Joe? Okay, so I'm going to talk about a book that I recommend... Over and over and over again to anyone who will listen to me talk about comics. Um, Queen and Country by Greg Ruka on Oni Press. It's about four volumes long. Um, the uh, the comic portion has ended, but um, the writer is continuing to write some novels. Oh, really? With the same characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I haven't started the novels yet, but I've got the first one. Yeah. Okay. It, it's in... So it's, it keeps you interested all the way through to where you to where the novels pick up, and you're like, I need more. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. cool. Very cool. I picked up the first volume on a recommend from our comic book guy, John, over at Waterfront Comics. Hi, John. Hi, John. <laughs> hey, John. Love that guy. John's the man. Oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, pick up uh, Queen and Country. It's a good read. You'll not be disappointed in it at any point. And I was not. Um... They're about three different stories per volume. So these are like trade paperbacks we're talking about? Big old trade paperbacks. Okay. Did it come out originally as trade paperbacks or were these issues and these uh, are like omnibuses? Yeah, it came out in issues and then in small trades and then in the big ass trades. So just the, you know, progression. Oh yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool, cool. And it's all done in black and white. Nice. In the really heavy inks that makes it look kind of noir. Nice. You know, this really dark art style just totally captures the dark mood and the real, like, heavy sort of concepts that the uh, the writer and artist are trying to portray. Well, so speaking of concepts, what are what is the premise okay. for Queen and Country? So the story follows a British secret agent, Tara Chase, uh, through a good couple dozen missions, and... Tara's a woman? Tara's a woman. Okay, cool. Her two... That's hot. <laughs> it, it is hot. Wait, like, secret agent woman. Seriously. One of my favorite things in comics is to see women kicking ass. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's really validating for me to see, you know, strong, powerful women. Yeah, and black with a silencer, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. The first story. I wouldn't mind be actually, you know, assassined by you know a hot female British. You know, she's like, you know, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you gotta go, right? I mean, you know, yeah. If you gotta go, I mean, shit. That's like right under like being taken down by a succubus or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> Siren, succubus, British secret agent. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's the trifecta. It's yeah. a dream. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I would want a guy, you know, some like, you know, macho, you know, you know, secret James Bond kind of, you know, like, hello, Targo Paul, I'll meet your destiny. And I'd be like, oh, man, but if it was like a hot, you know, sexy chick, and she's like, 
Tiger Paul, this is the end of the line. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, all right, well, that's fine. I had a good time. Fair words, West to go. Well, that's how the first book starts. Is you know, it's her sitting in a like torn down building with a sniper rifle, lining a guy up and blowing his head off. Nice. I hope he deserved it. Uh, I think he did. I, if I remember correctly, he was an arms dealer. Uh, so yeah. it's arms dealers. Yeah. Oh, all bad. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the story follows her through a lot of different missions. Um, it's all very post nine eleven sort of uh, like terrorist aware, ter- terrorist aware, okay. uh, Middle Eastern conflict sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the stories get really specific. Like you can tell, Ruka paid a lot of attention to the dynamics. In the like CIA and the MI MI five and MI six, so like how the different you know covert ops and information you know groups work together. Yeah, or not. Yeah, there's a lot of like interagency dynamic between like the uh, CIA liaison in London with the MI five people. Okay, cool. Very cool. And. You know, again, the story develops in a really realistic way. Like, characters die, people retire, um, they have dysfunctional relationships. It, you know, makes it really human. And the victories aren't, like, total. Like, they don't kill the one bad guy and all the other ones give up. No, like, happily ever after fairy tale. No happily ever after. It's always a continuing struggle. What you really imagine, like, covert intelligence agencies have to put up with you know because you know cia didn't win they're still working so nice so then what would your score be and before we move into the score thing i know the first time we did a comics podcast we decided to score things on issues like one out of ten issues or you know one to ten issues uh, instead of stars because that felt more appropriate for comics but as we reviewed the rating system, we decided that 10 issues is a shit ton of issues <laughs> to commit to. Yeah, that's which a year is, subscription. Right. So it, it seems kind of like unrealistic in that sense, I guess. I don't know. But so so we decided that uh, one out of five, or I mean one to five, I keep wanting to be out of. Anyway, one to five, and, and also uh, the Brian had this like serious problem with the half stars, and so that's why we started with the 10 system. That's why we tend to do 10 systems on Pandamanga, because the Brian, it, like, it just, just, just really grinds his gears. It really does. <laughs> and so, but, but we were talking about it, and I convinced him to be at peace with, with the half scores for issues, because issues are made up of lots of pages, and so there can legitimately be a half, not like, instead of like cutting a half star, I don't know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I could kind of vibe with the ridiculousness of it, but... Yeah. Well, anyway. half star would be like a binary one since it's only facing every other turn. Yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. <laughs> so, so you know, with that in mind, one out of five, and you can do the halves <laughs> if you want. But so, how many? Like, hell, I'll know, even allow quarters in this point. Oh man! So <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, the Brian he's throwing it down. He's going crazy. Watch out! That's well, right. Know, most come in like eighteen to thirty-six. Pages. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so on a scale of one to five. How many you know? How many issues do you give this? All right, like I said, that first book, like in the first couple of pages, you get thrown in 
to this you know, very engaging character. The action is right away really sudden, and then you have to go through this crazy escape that she has to go through, and you actually get a little boob shot in it too. So also nice, always yeah. a bonus, always a bonus. Yeah, can't go wrong. It's got that little like eighties movie flair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in a movie it's, in it's, the eighties unless there's boobs. Yeah, right. It can be like, a boob. Yeah, it can be a movie small, about like. It's, it's always like a really, really quick shot. It's never enough to like, you know, when you're like a kid, I think it takes like maybe seven seconds to burn <laughs> something into your brain, but they would only make it 6.5 because then you knew that like you just go nuts and you couldn't quite fully remember it because you weren't expecting, you never expected. Right, no, never. And it, it could be at a completely inappropriate, not necessary at all. It's just like, ah, oh, boobs, why the hell not? We're yeah. the 80s, fuck off. <laughs> That's why the 80s were awesome. So your, yeah. your score is... Five issues. Five issues. Five. Five, five out easy. of five. Five out of five. Easy. Easy. Yeah. So it really just grabs you and pulls you in from the first panel. That's excellent. Yeah. And you know, and I'm sure you can appreciate as a comic writer how hard that is to write something that pulls you in right away yeah. and won't let go. Because nope. you got to catch somebody in those first couple pages because yeah. people pick your, your 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 strip up or your issue up, flip through it, and go, mm-hmm. and they kind of make like a cursory glance and decide whether yeah. or not they're going to invest into your strip. Yeah. yeah. No dialogue for the first page. Wow. Yeah. So he he really knew how to grab attention. It's excellent. That's yeah. awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Uh-huh. So the second comic on the indie review today is Stephen Niles' Criminal Macabre, and the subtext is The Cal McDonald Mysteries. So let me just read the back here real quick, give you guys a kind of overview. In 2003, Stephen Niles, creator of 30 Days of Night, uh, the 30 Days of Night comic series, launched a series of occult detective stories featuring the notoriously hard-boiled Cal McDonald, a pill-popping alcoholic reprobate. Reprobate? Reprobate. (laughs) Uh, Cal is the only line of defense between Los Angeles and the growing horde of zombies, vampires, Possessed muscle cars, mad scientists, werewolves, and much more weirdness. Uh, featuring the haunting artwork of Ben Templesmith of Fell and as well as Thirty Days of Night, and Kelly Jones from Sandman, the Sandman. This novel collects the first two. Oh yeah, let me get another part. Anyway, uh, what we picked up and what I'm reading here is the Criminal Macabre Omnibus Volume One. An omnibus, if you're not familiar with that, is basically a collection of issues, and in some cases, a collection of trade paperbacks. An omnibus is basically just like a collection, what that term means. Uh, but in comics term, it tends to mean uh, several already released pieces of a story or a comic book, whether they be in you know issue form or trade paperback form, it, like they combined into an even larger one. Because when I was picking this up, there were issues, and then there were also smaller trades, and then there was this, which was like, you know, the big daddy, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, Anyway, so a little background with me. I am a huge fan of Stephen Niles and a huge fan of Ben Templesmith. And I would say that th- that pair in particular is a big part of why, uh, why I like their work individually is because they work together so well. And the first time that I came across their stuff was the 30 Days of Night comics, which are still coming out currently relatively rare, slowly. But uh, anyway, the, the thing that I think really sets their stuff apart is that it is... For me, obviously, as an artist, it's a, a, a lot of emphasis is put on the art. And Ben Temple Smith is amazing. Now, people aren't singing his praises for his realism. 
You know, his stuff is not realistic. And in many cases, if, if you could, you know, peel away all of the layers of lush color and incredible atmospheric, uh, you know, backgrounds and fading and, and texture and watermarks and everything that he does to make it look as amazing as it does, the, the just the, the ink outlines of the characters in some cases are kind of awkward looking and in some cases have kind of strange foreshortening choices and, you know could could look, be be looked at as kind of like not really well drawn but that's not the case it's not that he's not a good artist and there are several uh you know if you would just again if you several pages and several pieces that you if you strip that away it's still phenomenal and as a matter of fact you can go onto youtube and look up ben temple smith drawing and you can actually see several recorded videos and some of them are time lapse but most of the time they're not he's pretty quick uh, but you know, several videos of him drawing out a cover or a picture or something at a convention or, or drawing out a commission at a convention. And he's, he's really just an incredible artist. I, he's a big, I'm a big fan of his. But I'm, I'm a particularly a big fan of the way that he does his color. His yeah. color is amazing. Oh, it makes yeah. this atmospheric, creepy, dark, just, just this – I mean it's, it's like this rainy day. It's like the personification of this like muddy, dark, rainy day – noir feel yeah, it's very dark but and somehow like you know colorful but very faded and very subtle it, yeah. it was yeah. very very amazing it's i was very impressed neat, with it like watercolor sort of texture and it is yes, watercolor. It is i watercolor. looked up in-depthly as to how he does it because i'm like i want to learn how to do that <laughs> and and he, he, yeah. he do, my understanding is that he does watercolor in some cases he does watercolor in black and white and then colorizes it on the computer huh. so he uses like the watercolor as a shading that's my understanding of like the research that i've done but he doesn't just come out and explain his process mm. so much uh but anyway yeah, so it looks great with that horror comic. It, yes, with the horror comic, with the with the dark, you know, seedy noir detective story sort of combo, it works beautifully. It's very very cool. And the thing that's neat about his stuff and the Niles stuff is that there's a lot of opportunity for gratuitous gore. Mm-hmm. And what works is that even though we're talking so much about how excellent his color work is, his his color is is almost monochromatic at times. Mm-hmm. It's like different shades of gray and blue-gray and, you know, dark brown sort of stuff going on. And so that explosion of bright red that in sometimes some ways is accentuated, not done in a, in a realistic sense as like far as what the lighting would be and how dark it would be and it would be more of like a rich crimson color. But that explosion of bright red is is breathtaking and it totally draws your attention to what's going on. And in 30 Days of Night in particular, there's so much snow scenes where there's white and black, uh, bluish black, mm-hmm. and then the, the, the red in, in and amongst that is even more striking. But that is still the case in Criminal Macabre. The, the, the use of blood that Ben Templesmith does and Stephen Niles gives ample opportunity for is really incredible and for me i you know just again just talking about the art i was totally taken in and just loved the art of ben temple smith in this as well um the other thing i wanted to say was that i guess i'll bring up the same point i made earlier where some of his line work seems a little bit seems a little bit off in some cases or seems a little bit you know Unrealistic, I guess. There's not a heavy sense put on, not a heavy emphasis put on, for, you know, on like size and shape and foreshortening and things like that in some cases. And the thing of the thing about that that I came to really appreciate, and I think it's actually a, a benefit to the art style, especially when you're dealing with things like, you know, monsters, is mm-hmm. that 
it'll it it allows this kind of elasticity to the realism that you know if you have okay again you know third days and oh no actually we're talking about criminal macabre so I'll, I'll stick it to that in criminal macabre you've got uh, vampires you've got werewolves there's an excellent part where several werewolves break into this area and start tearing people apart and 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 the way that they do the mouths of the werewolves it opens up into a larger size than is really what looks like was there when they had the mouth closed hmm. and so what i'm saying is is that it's that it's a, it's an it's an expression of that elasticity that that kind of impressionistic sort of style of line art allows is that you can warp things to become even more horrific and more monstrous and it doesn't feel like it breaks outside of the lines of the already established art style and yeah and that totally came out in the um in the movie the 30 days from night movie yeah it really did they made the vampires look so terrifyingly evil yeah because they were able to like really stretch out the mouths and make them gaunt and creepy looking and yeah. Right, and, and and Ben. I mean, and again, the vampires from Thirty Days of Night. Ben Temple Smith's interpretation of them, and I'm I'm sure, you know, it was a combination of both because it's always you know, artist artist and writer always work closely together. Mm-hmm. But that direction to take them away from the vampire bat zone and towards the shark zone was mm-hmm. really a cool choice, I think, and and that is in some ways reflected in this. Uh, of course, it's a different you know you know different universe, but so anyway. I also love the detective stories. One of my favorite book, uh, series of books is the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. And so I was reading, you know, thumbing through at the comic book store, reading the back of things and thought, and, and read Ben Templesmith and Stephen Niles. Oh, look at that. That sounds good. Read the flip over the back, read it. A hard-boiled detective fighting supernatural stuff. I'm like, that's like basically exactly what Dresden is, except he's a wizard as well. <laughs> you might be a wizard if yes, exactly. You're yeah, well, yeah. Soon, soon enough, the wizard if. But anyway, so so it's it's really right up my alley. So you know, my 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 rating will reflect that. Uh, just to say that and put that out there. But I really did appreciate it. I thought it was a really really excellent, very good story. And I, I don't want to give away any of the story, but that's the essential premise: is that he, you know, is a Kind of a washed out, pill popping, alcohol. I mean, the guy is like never sober in any of the stuff that I've read. Sounds and like me. It's true. He is not sober. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bad. I mean, you know, I he's like, like no, it's him already. <laughs> it, it's pretty much he'll go home and he'll have like instead of a meal, he'll have a nice big bottle of Jim Beam and a whole bunch of ephedrines and codeines and aspirins. <laughs> I mean, that, he's, that's he's, his standard meal of choice. He, he's, he's, he's slugging back like rum and, you know, popping Vicodins as he's like walking through the sewers, talking to a contact in the ghoul community, yes, <laughs> you right. know, about ready to like get into a fight and he's just blasted. So, <laughs> but anyway, so a very cool character and a very interesting story. Of, and, and again, you know, Ben Templesmith's you know, art is phenomenal. Now, something I did want to bring up, because, as I said in the beginning, there are two artists in this book. The In the latter half of the book, or latter part of the book, not even half, uh, Kelly Jones of Sand of the Sandman comes in and does some artwork. With colorist Michelle Matson. And, you know, I kind of cut my teeth, as it were, comic-wise, on, you know, the old Marvel comics as I was a kid. And because the characters are so clearly set in stone already, there's not as much of a wide interpretation of them. Uh, at least, especially when I was a kid, it was much more kind of oh, like, yeah. this is how they look. Mm-hmm. And even if there's different artists, the different artists add a very kind of gentle change in comparison to things nowadays. And 
then I went from that into getting into interested in Japanese comics. In Japanese comics, it's one artist. Or it's a team of artists that are trained to look, I mean, to, to make it look exactly the same as the original artist's concept. And so there's not a lot of variation. You're not going to get one issue drawn by one guy and another issue drawn by another guy or another studio or whatever, but the same writer all the way through. And so I went from not really realizing that that was an element as a child, uh, as it was an element in Western comics, to Japanese comics where that's really not an element. And then you come back. I came back and looking into independent comics and getting into the independent comic community and getting more involved in professional comics and reading them and everything again as an adult, I'm kind of noting this this jarring change between issues of artists. And, you know, I'm looking at Joe and he's kind of like, oh, that's how it is, <laughs> you know? Oh, no, I, I catch it too. Right, And but for me, I came back and I, I was blown away that they were doing that. I was thinking to myself, this can't be the same one. But sure enough, it's the same exact characters. And mm-hmm. not that I, I didn't like... Jones's artwork, I just felt like it was kind of jarring. And oh, the artwork yeah. was a lot brighter and more friendly looking and much less atmospheric. I guess uh, friendly looking is the wrong word. but No, was, I think friendly looking is a very good word for it. It is much more bright and vibrant and very, very, very much different as, fe- as far as the feel that the uh, actual pages give you and it takes that yeah. elasticity that i was talking about in the line mm-hmm. art right out of the picture yes. it's very consistent yeah i was just flipping through it uh, before we started and yeah the first half of the book very dark and kind of menacing that second half there's you know that giant monster with kind of the vagina face with teeth <laughs> it wasn't quite to be scary. fair that giant monster was a succubus <gasps> spoilers <laughs> but it's not as menacing Totally not as menacing as it could have been, even though it was like 12 feet tall with a giant toothy vagina face. (laughs) That'd scare me. Yeah, that would scare anybody. No, but, but but that's my point, is is that that's the that's the only thing that's keeping me from giving this a, as high of a score as I would have, is mm. the choice to change artist. You know, and, and I know that that's, that's, again, a personal preference, but this is my review, so fuck you. Uh, <laughs> But, but language. I, <laughs> no, don't worry, we have an explicit podcast. tag. We would probably oh. put like five explicit tags if we could, but <laughs> they only allow one. So. We put the skull oh, and crossbow. Man, I didn't even know. I was like being all proper. Oh, that's yeah, funny. don't bother. Yo, what's up, motherfuckers? This is the Tiger Paw legendary motherfuckers. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and let's just start the fuck count now. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-five. But. Anyway, so drink, so folks. so ra- so wrapping up the review, it, it's a really excellent book. I really recommend checking it out. The story is great. The story doesn't change when it switches artists, but it does lose that incredible Ben Temple Smith art. Not again, not that Jones's stuff isn't isn't good or viable, but you know, actually, you know what it reminds me a lot of is it reminds me of some like that that like um, maybe like mid '90s Hellblazer stuff. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, it's great stuff. Uh, the art, both of them, but I wish that it would just pick one and stick with it. And I really feel like Ben Temple Smith's art is, or art style, uh, is more appropriate for this mm. this 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 story. Have so. you looked at any of the more recent issues and see who's? I have not. Actually, all I was able to find was just the just just some trades in the omnibus. So I, I don't even know if it's currently coming out. It, yeah, you know, I, saw it, it, I saw it down at Waterfront. Oh, did you? A couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. By the way, we keep mentioning Waterfront Comics. Waterfront Comics, why, why don't you plug them, Joe? All right, so Waterfront Comics um, on the waterfront in Sassoon, California. Really 
just a great place. John, the owner there, has the biggest and most ridiculous selection of trade paperbacks that I have ever seen in it's, a comic it's book insane. store. It's insane. It's, it's, had, it's like easily, you know, three or four racks, both sides, like 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 four shelves high on each rack. Oh, no. He opened up the back room. Oh, now. did he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was, yeah, yeah, I was there when they were doing that. Yeah, so that whole, like, storage space he had, that's all trade paperbacks again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eight feet tall and a good... What twenty feet long yeah, rack huge, of huge. of comic books? It's yeah. amazing. the The guy loves comics. He's and a really good guy too. I actually know him outside of the comic book world. He yeah. is friends of a friend. So at certain pay per view events at like this buddy's house, we all get together and oh, watch really? together. Oh, yeah, nice. really good dude. Yeah. yeah. So John is awesome. So mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're anywhere around here, in, near, you know, in the Northern California area, you know, stop by. You know, like. Joe and I once were talking about that there's like kind of two categories of comic book shops. There's like the the big, bright color. Okay, like anybody who's seen uh, Kick-Ass, the movie, mm-hmm. the one that they are always going to in there that's like, it's got like a little smoothie shop and it's all bright colors and everything's yeah. like there's, shiny plastic. There's and- windows. <laughs> 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 right, right. You know, so there's like kind of those those like really uber shiny plastic professionally looking ones, yeah. which the inviting like you could get people who don't read comics to come to come in. in. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And then and then you've kind of got the like the like little hole in the wall ones that are just gems. Mm-hmm. You know, you go in there and the owner is absolutely wonderful, knows his stock, can point you in the right direction, can yeah. give you good advice, gives reasonable prices. And does sales? I mean, I mean, does a like not sales as in like selling you something, but sales as in like discounts. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's just the sort of place that you can feel like you're kind of part of the community there. And you can find so many great old comics. It's true. I, I dug out a um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, the second volume, the uh, the one that Todd McFarlane. Did nice. Oh, wow. It wasn't his first Spider-Man, but it was you know the the Spider-Man number one with Todd McFarlane writing and drawing it, uh, and it's pretty. Wow. It's so pretty. It's so <laughs> rad. Yeah. So yeah, check out Waterfront Comics. Anyway, yes. coming back to Criminal the review Macabre. of Criminal Macabre, uh, the Brian had a couple things to say before we give our or we give our individual. Yes. <laughs> so. I also read Criminal Called JP dropped it off for me a couple days ago, and I was starting to read it. And JP has also mentioned before that he likes noir stuff. He's been to noir fests, and he also really likes monster supernatural stuff. And so I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, it's a monster noir thing. This is right up JP's alley. I see why he likes this. Very true. Unfortunately for me, I, I really love... So, in this first omnibus, there are five chapters. The first three are by Ben Templesmith, which we've gone on a lot and praised a lot about. And the last two uh, are drawn by Kelly Jones and colored by Michelle Madsen. It was... I don't know if, like, the first three were part of, like, a trade, and then the second two were part of a trade. But it definitely changes its... Uh, the almost like it goes to a different genre. The first three is a noir thing. The last two is buddy action cop drama thing with 
the ghoul uh, connection, whose name is Moloch, who is an awesome character. Yeah, awesome character. And uh, Cal, the, the main character. It, it really, it no longer has any of the internal monologue going on. It has, like I said, it's just, it feels like it's a straight up buddy action cop comedy thing. It's just weird. It was such a stark change. Add that with the fact that it had this really, really kind of creepy tone with Ben Templesmith versus a very vibrant colors with Kelly Jones's art. And I couldn't even get through the last uh, chapter. I couldn't get through it. Uh, I, I just had to stop. I also really felt odd because the very first issue, they set up this really interesting universe where he's talking with his ghoul friend. And he's like well, how does all this stuff come about? And he's like, well, werewolves are basically some sort of disease, basically a hyped-up rabies. And when you bite people, it's permanent, and that's how you get more werewolves. And vampirism, it's a blood disease, kind of the same way. Zombies, we're not quite sure of how it works. It's either some sort of disease or some sort of curse. And he's like, wait, aren't vampires cursed? And he's like, no, they just say that because it makes them sound cooler. Um, (laughs) That's so much good dark humor. And and then he's like, well, how do ghouls come about? And he's like, we have no idea. Um, (laughs) But they set up this really cool thing where he says, yeah, vampires and werewolves, silver bullets, crosses, that stakes through the heart. Forget all that. It doesn't matter. Anything can be killed with a shot to the head. Um, And... It's really interesting because in this, I won't spoil the reasons why or how, they actually have to go back to using crosses and stakes and silver to kill these things. And he's like, whoa, this is kind of cool. It's like going back to the legends. I'm not scared. It's really exciting. (laughs) Um, And so it had that going on. And then in each preceding book, it seemed to break that sort of thing where it's like yeah they can just be killed by whatever no no you have to have these special things and special words and stuff like that and it it felt like kind of breaks its own rules it breaks its own rules is it it really just seemed to keep breaking the universe as it went on and on and i got less and less interested that first issue was really great and they set up a possible love triangle uh going on between the main character a cop and a reporter but I don't know, maybe they get into that in the fifth chapter, but it pretty much, they don't go back to it at all mm-hmm. in the first four. So, Well, I get the sense that it was a series of kind of one-shot sort of things. Yeah, so so it it really, I don't know, it just, it, it really started, it was a serious diminishing returns after the first volume. John, I forget, what was your score on it? Or have you given your score? No, I haven't given my score yet. Okay. So go ahead and give your score, and I'll... Okay, so um, I will give it 3.5 issues. That's, that's you know, more than half. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And again, you know, I have... I'm going to give it a little bit of higher score than, than I would normally, uh, just because it's a genres that I like and it's artists that I like. The only problem, like, like the Brian was saying, is that when that art style shifts, it seems to just... I seem to just kind of lose interest. Now, again, I'm kind of like an art 
you know, nitpicky prick when it comes to watching com- <laughs> me reading comic books. You know, like, even if it's a really, like, nice character art and good, well-drawn backgrounds, if the frame pacing feels congested, I'm like, nah, fuck it, I'm not going to read this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I-, I can get really nitpicky, and, like, to be completely honest, I don't even know if I finished that last second area because it just I just kind of lost interest. I just, like, it's hard for me to, you know, have, have an art style that I can't get behind. And it does feel kind of like it slipped it in there, sort of like, you know, you know, you, you like, you know, getting to know the book and it's like this is really cool and then it like tears off its mask and it's like blah I'm actually a totally different kind of thing you know anyway it was so, old man Weathers so that's that's my that's that's my score is, is 3.5 issues um I have to go with a lot less I'm gonna go with two mm-hmm. I really wish I had stopped at issue or episode one or issue one it would have gotten it higher yeah it, it would have gotten a lot higher had I not read anything else after that uh, like I said once I got past the three chapters that Ben Templesmith did it really honestly did change to a buddy action thing from a noir and that was more stark and it was such a, a bigger and harder thing for me to get over than the actual art style change. I am kind of like JP where certain art styles, if they're busy or certain ways, I just can't get into it. And sorry, Kelly Jones and Michelle Madsen. I'm sure you're great at what you do and a lot of people love you, but maybe it was just because of how it was before. I couldn't get into your art. a hard act to follow. Yeah, he really is. And so... Um, but also the, the narrative and the characters changed as well. And it just threw me so off and I, I just could not get back into it. Um, <laughs> so, right, so I, I'm giving it two. a two. Okay. All right. So next up is the music section of the podcast. Now, instead of just having a, a an incredible song to play from Air Plus Recordings, we actually have... The CEO and owner and operator of Airplus Recordings, uh, Tiger Paw, who also, again, Tiger Paw is an artist on Airplus Recordings, the very first. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, they, nobody else would sign me, so I just, like, had to make my own record label. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, if it's in the movie, just make your own movie. That's you right, know? exactly. All about you. So instead, like I said, instead of having a song to play, we actually have someone to play a song for us. We have a musical guest in the studio. I'm very excited. Totally so why excited. don't you intro or give us a little intro on who you are and what uh, what we're about to hear? Well, all right. Thank you for having me on the show. By the way, Jay absolutely, and absolutely. Brian, you know, I'm very excited to be here, and I always appreciate the. The support we've been kind of mutually giving each other. It's for Plus an incredibly artists. symbiotic and relationship. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's very exciting awesome. to work together. Definitely, and you're going to be doing some uh, album art and stuff probably for in sure. the near future, sure. and yeah. kind of actually work on. Uh, I was talking to JP about maybe doing a short animation music video. Yeah, I've been kind of kind YouTube. of like I'm the sort of guy that has a lot of things on the back burner and a lot of kind of ideas to expand like I'm never at all satisfied doing just what I'm doing in the, at the moment oh, and yeah. one of the things that I'm looking into is animation and looking into doing shorts maybe working on some music videos with AirPlus so that that is is one of the one of the tricks up the sleeve so it'll be a, it'll be a great great it'll be a really cool thing to do I mean I'm sure it'll make uh, the music amplified with visual representation absolutely, of absolutely. what we're trying to do so let's let's uh, 
intro us here. What, what are we listening well, to? Today? Tonight, all right. So the first thing I want to play. Oh, is, so we're gonna get two. That's the, the decision you're getting made. two. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two for so the first, yeah, the first uh, tune I'm gonna do is a uh, remix that I'm doing for a very talented artist in Scotland, Roxa R X A R O X A, and uh, the song is Skyline. And his original is kind of like a dubstep ballad. Sorry, it's really good. And I liked it, and he was doing a competition for it, so I wanted to put my own little Tiger Paw drum and bass spin on it and do my, like, uh, signature kind of vocal sampling, uh, little glitch vocals on it. So uh, I'm going to play this for you. This is an exclusive preview, and I will be dropping this track in 48 hours. So expect to see that on your SoundCloud <laughs> feeds and on AirPlus recording. Which and that, well, that means that this will that will be up by the time that this is recorded. Yeah. Maybe about the time this plays. <laughs> by, by the time when you're listening oh, okay. to this, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it'll be out on SoundCloud. Yeah, so, so, now. so 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 exactly. <laughs> and if you're listening like, to this a month from now, it'll also be out <laughs> now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, so if you like what you hear, pop over to AirPlus recordings or soundcloud.com forward slash tigerpaw. Yes, actually, soundcloud.com forward slash Tigerpaw, and we also have now officially airplusrecordings.com. We have a store, artist bios, we got, it looks all fancy, I got a great, great artist on the label, Vague Illusion, and he is in South Africa, and he is actually a web designer, so I like totally lucked out because he's a really gifted musician, but he also helps me out. And it's totally 100% about AirPlus recording. Yeah, Vague Illusions, he was, we actually featured yeah, him. I think he was on episode two. Yeah, he's just yeah, excellent he's stuff. I mean, One unreal, more unreal. So, okay, this song is Skyline, Tiger Paw Remix, and I hope you enjoy it.
Alright, so that was the exclusive preview of my remix of Roxas Skyline. I hope you enjoy that, and if you are a SoundClouder and you see that pop up, make sure to give it a good comment because it is going in the remix competition. And uh, I have high hopes for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It was really excellent. Woo! Very cool. You know, gets to your soul. Definitely. So I wanted to ask a couple questions before we jumped into the next song, which is the main featured song of the podcast today. Well, it's a little live, live trickery. A little live, live trickery. I brought, I brought my, uh, my uh, sample of like my uh, Kai APC 40 and a laptop, and I'm just going to play something that's a little unheard. Yeah, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. But it has the Exclusive potential. It has the track. risk to go wrong. It has That's the potential always... to train wreck. Yeah, exactly. Anything it live does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's all good. So, um, so I'll just pass these around. Ask a couple questions about uh, about Tiger Paw and Air Plus real quick, because it's, you know, like I said, like Casey said earlier, you know, the two of us we grew up together. We've done all kinds of creative exploits together and separately. Uh, and it would be fun to talk about those sometime. Today's not the day, but because <laughs> uh, we'd go on and on. But anyway, the it's it's been really neat for Casey and I to you know hook up and talk or you know chill out over coffee or something like that or lunch at some a couple different times throughout the process because as Casey is working on having his very own record company and trying to build that up and expand and generate income with that and have merchandise and website and all that sort of stuff. I am at the same time working on Panda Manga. I'm working on trying to build that up and make that into something viable and worthwhile and have things like merchandise and have things like lots of, you know, writers and artists with me. And so it's it's kind of like we're on similar trajectories and pathways and so it's been cool to kind of shoot the shit with each other and and share observations and ideas. And I really feel like we've been able to kind of enrich each other's, you know, work. And so uh so in that spirit, I'd like to kind of pick your brain a little bit, okay? For sure. So, so first, you know, obviously the uh, the first thing is, you know, so how and or when did you get started making music or more particularly electronica? Oh, man. Well, I always grew up with just such a deep appreciation for music. And uh, I started out on just classics and, uh, you know, kind of worked my way up and just, and just kind of getting those influences. And then I started playing the guitar when I was probably 15, 16, yeah, something like time. that, high school, you know, to get get the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, you know, it was like, I liked, what was interesting is that I was, when I first started playing the guitar, I, I was really obsessed with learning other people's songs. Like I had to learn Stairway to Heaven and I had to learn, you know, like note for note. And uh, after doing all that, it was just at the end of all that, it was kind of like, so what? And uh, I felt like all that time was wasted trying to learn somebody else's song. And I'm like, wow, I know a song that like probably thousands of people can know how to play. Like, great. So uh, I was really kind of like, well, I should, you know, pick around and make my own music. You know, that would be more gratifying and I could have something to show for it that's completely original. Um, Through all that, you know, I was always, always, always into electronic music. Like it hit me. I started out on pop. And it moved up to, you know, some early Moby stuff. Yeah, and I remember when Play came out. We, yeah. We had that We were hanging out together. when, like, yes. And, like, 
the weekend after that, I remember you like coming back to class. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Have you heard this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, when I remember, yeah, play came out. Um, oh, dude, uh, Moby just—I was obsessed with Moby for because that dude is a musical genius yeah. and very underrated. And I Absolutely. think a lot of people think, "Whoa, yeah, he's a sellout electronic music," but he is legit. Like and making stuff from like back in the '80s. That's so ahead of its time. And then that moving on to like, you know, Prodigy and the Crystal Method. Like this is like mid nineties, you know, the yeah. raver hardcore scene. And it was like, like walking through like high school and post high school, we would go on like skating trips. Casey used to be a serious, serious skater you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, could still throw down. I'm sure. Oh, I heard. Although I'm we old. haven't skated in a while, <laughs> but anyway, oh, but we, we would go on, you know, on skating trips, skating missions. We'd be, you know, videotaping for 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 you know for a video release or something like that, or for his part, and we'd be just rocking crazy techno that I'd never heard of before. Yeah, and I was always ten steps ahead, you know, musically. And so Casey was always like the source of like really really excellent, you know, electronic music. I can just thinking back all the all the amazing stuff I heard. I mean, half the stuff in my library is because you heard it in your car and looked it up. <laughs> you know, that's true. Well, you know, and that's and that what's what started me uh, to get back to the original question. That started me DJing. You know, I got into I had a you know vinyl turntables and I started collecting vinyl and rarities. And uh, I never really got into like, and again, like why play other people's music? You know, there it's it, to a point it's fun, but then to a point I'm like, you know, I'm just riding off of somebody else's creativity and mm-hmm. trying to make my own spin on it, not disrespecting any DJs out there. I, I suck at DJing, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just was getting this plethora of different types of electronic music, and then drum and bass hit for me. And when that hit, you know, drum and bass is the it's its own little corner uh, genre of electronic music. But it's been around, you know, for a while, you know, since the early, early 90s. And uh, it's been killing it. And it has such a dedicated following and fan base. And, you know, it's still it never died away. You know, it's like one of those electronic things. There's fads in electronic. Like now it's like Moombacore and like. Electro complexstro or complexstro, like there's all these little subgenres that pop up, Complex-tro. and then they go away real quickly because you know there's they're kind of limited in a way. But drum and bass for me, I feel is like just so much untapped stuff that people can do with it, you know. And uh, so I've been trying to put my own spin on drum and bass, build electronic music equipment and uh, just keep doing it every day and I think I've developed my sound into being more like jazz old like I have this like mix of old instruments with new stuff and uh, you know every almost every single song I have has the guitar and uh, kind of obsessed with putting guitar in electronic music for some reason not like shredder electric guitar but keeping it classy well you know and, and just just I'll interject interject here just real quick you know, because I've been listening to Air, Air Plus before Air Plus was... I mean, I've been listening to Tiger Paw before Tiger Paw was Tiger Paw. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? yes. All right, well, I'll break down the four, the, the surname. Um, I was I started out as DJ Blue, and that blue. <laughs> I was DJ Blue, like B-L-E-U. And I thought it was so 
fucking cool, but then I kept looking, like, blue, it blows, you know, like, that sucks. <laughs> and then, um, you know, my buddy Jordan, uh, he's Gattaca Kid on the Air Plus Recordings label, an insanely, insanely talented dude, and uh, we would always do, like, air before everything, and then so it's like, yeah, air love, bro. You know, like Air Plus, and like that was always on our uh, vocabulary, and so it came to be just thinking Air Plus, and then I tried to be the artist Air Plus, just <laughs> simply Air Plus. Yeah, I remember that. And you know, it was cool. It was like I was making, I was before drum and bass. I was doing a lot of like trip hop, turntablism stuff, and uh, uh, but the name Air Plus, I loved it so much, but I didn't like it for my own name. It didn't have any personality for myself. And I didn't want it to be, I, it, it's kind of abstract and like, what is it? You know, is that a band? Is that what? So I had that in my back of my mind. I, you know, Tiger Paw was born and uh, I've been just rocking that ever since. And I love it. It has the symbol and it has the like fun feel behind it. And right. And the first thing I thought. Recognizable, I heard, you know. Well, the first thing I thought when I, when, when I saw that you had transitioned into calling yourself Tiger Paw was when you made a Facebook for your cat. <laughs> so, so Casey's cat's name was Moki, right? So, so, so Mo- Moki, Moki had a Facebook, and of course I friended Moki because Moki's a savage <laughs> in real life. And uh, but so I would get these random every once in a while these like crazy posts from Moki going. <laughs> 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 Dude, I need to I need to log in as as Loki. Just, I do. Just like start yeah, trolling I around. Do that again. Why but that was the I first thing that? that popped into my head. I was like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. there goes Casey again with the damn cats. It's so funny. I am like a cat a freak, and now you know my new cat Juniper. Oh my gosh, she is just the love. She is all over all my stuff, pictures. I'm, I put her on my shirt. Oh, there's a there's a cat shirt. For nice, Tiger Paw nice. and Zazzle, if you go to the store, there's uh, my cat. I'm on it. And it's just a picture. Because, <laughs> you know, every guy wants to rock a picture of a kitten on their, you know, on oh, a yeah. shirt. Absolutely. And it's very I mean, nothing gets kittens. you action like rocking a Tiger Paw kitten on your shirt. You know, you're going to walk in the club and girls are going to be like, damn, that dude's confident. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Takes a, a lot of confidence. There's a come and pull kitten shirt. <laughs> no, and it, you can totally customize the color on, yeah. through the website. So you can actually get, like, fuchsia or pink. <laughs> yeah, just as a side tangent your story of like your original name of DJ Blue and how that blew reminded me of when I went to a Beck concert and as an intermission the band was off and he decided to have like an impromptu dance competition between someone in the audience and himself but he also needed an audience member to be a beatboxer so he brought somebody up and the person he's like well you need a DJ name what's your DJ name and he's like my DJ name is DJ Lone Wuss. He's like, get off my stage right now. And, and so he had to bring up somebody else and gave him the name just to be on the safe side. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit. So we, we have a couple more questions. What's, what's the next one, Joe? All right. Um, you were talking about uh, your really early influences. What are some of like the drum and bass influences that would be really fun to hear? Most definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's like I said, it's its own little subgenre, but there are some killers out there. And my number one artist is a guy Blame, and he's been an OG drum and bass producer for a while. And you can, I mean, just Blame type that, Google it, you'll find him. He has number ones in the UK, and just always keeping it fresh. And then I also was really into the French scene of Red Eyes and Peo. And uh, DJ Zinc, like all these dudes from Toulouse, um, that's what I really started out on. And nowadays, like the the San Francisco dudes, I've actually um, 
uh, seen as bachelors of science, they blow me away. And there's not a whole lot of drum and bass people in America in general. Uh, and there's a little scene uh, in San Francisco, so they're definitely at the head of the scene. Uh, and then there's, of course, the head hospital records, uh, Netsky, Danny Bird, Mr. Beachy. Uh, dude, all those dudes just kill it. But I'm actually really, really now focused on what all the AirPlus artists are doing because we have, you know, I make drum and bass, NCT, MVE, um, Vague Illusion makes drum and bass, DFSA makes drum and bass, you know, and, um, and Decoy is another dude. I mean, they all just make these incredible tracks and I always feel like stupid because like <laughs> listening to them because they're so good, you know, and I like, and that was really like, you know, I mean what I look forward to is when I get a preview from those dudes, I get absolutely stoked 100% because it never fails. It never fails. And then I always have to like rethink my life afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Drink heavily. (laughs) You know? So you've talked about having multiple artists, DSFA 90 or Mm -hmm. and NBE and then vague illusions. We've talked about being out of, Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Yeah. So you have artists all over the world. How do you find these artists and get them to sign onto your label? <laughs> I'm very persuasive. Like, uh, but where do you find them? <laughs> no, I find them um, obviously online. You know, there's a community, and it's SoundCloud, and it's YouTube, and it's Facebook. I mean, you know, there there are all these bedroom producers with mass amounts of talent. You know, little. Mozart's just like cracking away in their bedrooms making like the illest tracks and so you know I was in my budding music career you know getting online meeting people hearing other people and I'd hear some people and I'd be like oh my god dude this dude needs to get hooked up like this is like somebody should sign this dude I, I would always find myself saying that like oh this is like what's up you know like but um since everybody's from around the entire world you know, it's all obviously online. The dig- It's a digital label. So what we do is that I have a killer distribution deal as myself, Tigerpaw, that I kind of like got the hookup on. I do. I have like a few little connections here and there. And uh, that allowed me to get really good rates on like publishing albums and doing that sort of thing. But, you know, the rates I could do as many, you know, I could, I could do a bunch of albums, you know. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, this shouldn't go to waste. And uh, if I have this opportunity, maybe it would be a really, really cool thing to do. And so um, actually DFSA90 um, was the first person to actually ask me what the deal was with Air Plus recordings. Because I, as a joke, for my real release as Tiger Paw was iHeartDMB. Uh, and I did it under, Air- that's where the name Air Plus Recordings, the first time I ever put it down was on the release of that album and it was just for fun it was just to you know put a record thing on there and then dfsa hit me up and asked me what's the deal with it can i you know and i actually got to thinking and i had a really really long think over the whole thing and how i was going to do it and i do i do art sales in the real world uh and <laughs> your day job <laughs> yeah, you never want to go yeah you never want to go to the real world um <laughs> But yeah, I do uh, art sales. So I know like how art exchange business works and commissions and percentages and royalties and all that stuff. So it's all really easy for me. So after some research, I kind of realized like what we need to do. And so I kind of tested it out. And uh, now six months later, we have, you know, 
couple thousand followers on our SoundCloud where Facebook is building up. We got artists from almost every corner of the world. I got three guys that are all in Holland. I got a vocalist in Ireland. I have a house producer in Ireland. I have, uh, you know, Vague in South Africa. DFSA is in Arizona. Um, Run CT, incredible musician. He's from uh, Texas. Uh, you know, they're just coming all over and I'm always in talks like, oh, and then we got Decoy in England and, you know, it just never stops, you know, I'm working with people from France and people in Japan and it's just absolutely incredible. It's inspiring. It's awesome. <laughs> so the last question I have for you as a Tiger Paw and, you know, owner and operator of Air Plus Recordings is what is your like big picture vision for AirPlus? Like what, you know, don't don't talk real, don't talk like reality, <laughs> don't talk next steps. Like like like, what's your big vision? Like like, here's where you are. You're you're very clear about where your kind of A is. Yeah, like, here you are at at point A. Your B, wherever that may be. Don't worry about the bridge between the two. Just tell me what B looks like for you. What that what that arrived place is for you like what what do you what is your big picture vision oh and here i was gonna go with the where do you see yourself in five five years years. (laughs) you were seriously sounding like my mom there for a second (laughs) (laughs) you need to get a real job (laughs) stop making out of that hippity hop (laughs) that music it just goes bump bump I always think somebody's knocking at the door. <laughs> no, seriously, that's all I heard when I grow up. Stop that right. <laughs> no, I love my mom. Who no, Casey's mom, mom is seriously, like, uh, incredible. Shit. No, okay, all right. Now let's get to the question. You know, <laughs> I digress. Uh, you know, in that, at point B, wherever it is, what I see is that I want music, I want my music to just go to as many human beings as possible. And I honestly don't give a fuck if I get paid for any of this shit because it's so gratifying to me. Like every time I get a comment or a favorite or, you know, somebody downloads my song, that that's the ultimate, ultimate uh, gratification of the whole thing is when you get a download, you know somebody owns your song now and they can play it for themselves and they're free to do whatever they want with it. You know, and so when you look at like, having thousands of people and then potentially, you know, hundreds of thousands of people or even millions, you know, it would be surreal. And so that's my main goal is just getting to that place, building every day and hopefully musically putting something out there that's fresh and original, well-produced that like tells a story uh, and keep progressing musically. You know, I don't know if I will be making drum and bass forever and I might like kind of shoot the gun on this one, but like I'm making a EP jazz nights. It's like down tempo breakbeat. Not a whole lot of it is that like epic trancey drum and bass that I used to do. And I just am kind of moving and maturing musically. And I kind of been really wanting to stretch uh, more into more experimental stuff and, uh, you know, always blending up the genres and trying to kind of create something completely unique to my sound and keep it, you know, close to what my ideas are. Awesome. That's awesome. Cool. You know, I wanted to say earlier that one of the things that I think is really unique about Tiger Paw in particular, out of all of the electronic artists that I've heard, and even even the other people on, on or the other artists on AirPlus Recordings, is that 
and I can remember kind of like coming to this realization when we were we were like having lunch that that day where you were mastering uh, a good day good day yeah you helped me you came over when I was like slug and Johnny Walker mastering good days <laughs> <laughs> I came I was like. John, am I hearing this right? I got like my head up to a speaker and I'm like, I swear the perks, they're not high enough. <laughs> no, but, but, but what, what I noticed after listening to the entire album, uh, you know, with, with meticulous detail and, and, you know, and Casey's being so careful getting it just right, you know, and, and being able to preview all these songs before anybody else really got to hear them is that because Electronic songs often have kind of sections where they where there's a certain kind of sound or beat or or uh, you know rhythm or m- melody that's going on and it transitions into another one and you know and it's all very smooth and clean but but there's a there's a there's like this there's always this kind of you could break break the song into kind of pieces on a, on like a kind of conceptual level you know where you have like the intro and then you have the uh, you know like the like, you know, a build up, like a build-up. Like a build-up, like crescendo. Yeah, that, you know, yeah, right. And then you, can have and then you have the breakdown in the middle. Right, you know? exactly. I, have, exactly. I, I do have a science to this thing. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, obviously I'm not familiar with any of that part of it, the kind of the, the background, you know, mechanics of it. But just listening to the album, I can remember thinking to myself, like, wow, I'm never thinking, like, okay, I've heard that beat enough times. It's time to transition into something else. It's time to add another layer. You know, like, like really, really early Electronica yeah. was, like, Basically, like walking your way up a tower, you know. It was like, okay, there's this layer, do 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 do. The next layer, and just right, you know. And so, like, it's down, right? And so, but I can remember thinking to myself, like, you know, a lot of the times you listen to, you know, electronic music, and it's and it's and it's great, and I love it, and it's really really good, but it feels kind of like certain parts of the song or certain parts. Of the of, of like a certain beat or a certain melody, it just drags. Yeah, certain it's like, elements need to be cut, added, manipulated, right. and, and it's just like know. it's like you hear this really really great you know part of the song, and it's like that is awesome, and it hits it three or four times really well. But like that fifth time, it's like no, you okay, need to move on to something to else, right? And and, yeah. and 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 Casey as Tigerpaw has a uncanny ability to like sync up with my mind. That's like, and now it should change. Oh shit, right. change. Great minds think alike. Yes, and so, but but that's really cool, you know. And and I, that's one of the things I think is 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 unique about what Tiger Paw has to offer musically, mm-hmm. and also is I think a a early sign of what will blossom into you know even increasingly impressive genius in your songs is that you have on a very basic instinctual level an incredible sense of how to put together a song and make it interesting and entertaining and not feel like it's dragging. Which is, I would say, easily one of the biggest problems with electronic music, you know, on like a, you know, it's just starting out kind of lower levels that a lot of people struggle with having songs that kind of drag a little bit, you know. And so I just think that, I mean, for, for me, that was one of the things that really, really stood out outside of the really, you know, excellent production values and, you know, and, and skillfulness of it. But that that in particular is unique. And I think that's really cool. So Well, thank you. I feel like my tiger heart is warmer. <laughs> My paw, my paw, the claws are out. Oh, the claws are down. The paws are out. I always say like, don't fuck with the paws. You'll get the claws. <laughs> so, so we had one more. We had one more track that you wanted to show us. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was gonna kind of, kind of bust out a little live thing. I hope I don't mess up. But um, you know, it's an older track that I've been revamping and working on. You know, a little bit of the guitars and vocal samples and yada yada yada. But it's, uh, it's called. Um, 
It's, I was working with the title, actually. Maybe I should, like, open a, an open question, like, what I should call Yeah, if this. you want, we can put a poll up. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Vote on the name of this. Uh, we can yeah, actually, the Brian has a, I well, the Brian has a friend that built a really excellent <laughs> polling system online. Yes. So Brian, the Brian can help me put that together. Right. Not a problem. I hope people. I I hope people don't vote. This song sucks. <laughs> that won't be one of the <laughs> options. That How about won't be that? The option. Okay. Good. <laughs> like, yeah. No chance. So what's so so couple ideas. What's this one? Uh, oh well. Uh, well, the ideas I was going was. Um, uh, feet in the oh god, I was so stupid. To our, our toes in the sand, because like I was trying to go like beachside romantic, but then I was like, that's cheesy. Like I usually go through like twenty song titles before I pick one, and it's usually when I'm incredibly intoxicated and I just <laughs> like blindly throw a dart like, at a that's word, the word, and I'm like, yeah, the great escape. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some funny like some funny song titles like out there. But, you know, like, I actually have one that was called uh, Huffing Sharpie Brand Markers. <laughs> That's on my Dirty Paws page. You can check that one out. It's, uh, you don't it's have a, anything like Untitled Number 724 or anything Yeah, it's like a true story. And, and I also, I should always plug my uh, Dirty Paws page. Uh, if you go to my Tiger Paw SoundCloud or any of my Tiger Paw outlets, Tumblr, or Facebook or whatever, there's links secretly everywhere to Dirty Paws, and that's all of my, like, aborted babies, like, <laughs> the, ones, the, ones that, wow. the ones that sucked so fucking bad, they're great. And, you know, they're usually made Your evil heavily, heavily under the influence, right. and, you know, they were done using experimental equipment, and I'm usually not caring about production values but they're just classics like i honestly give those more listens than my own songs <laughs> than my real songs right, my real, real songs. my real songs all right so let's 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 hear it
Yeah, it's incredible. I actually yeah. took a video of it and I will try and sync it up and put it up somewhere. Uh, but it's it was really yeah. incredible to see the Akai just be lighting yeah. up. It was like a light show over there. Oh yeah, yeah, that thing. You know, when you're uh, when you're in the clubs, <laughs> the way it lights up kind of trips your eyes out a little bit. But oh, it is. It's kind of like you know. Tetris in real life. Yeah. Very, very awesome. <laughs> after, after watching and, you that long, you know, I think I actually kind of understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just syncs <laughs> up with my uh, digital audio workstation and, you know, triggers loops and, uh, you know, sequences. And then I can kind of manipulate them and do different things. So A little up, up, It's down, like, down, it's up, the right, conductor right, stick, start. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a conductor stick. It makes, I wave the wand and the sounds happen. <laughs> very, very <laughs> cool. <laughs> Okay, so next we're going to talk a little bit about the professional comic scene. Okay, so what? <laughs> Batman, baby. Batman scene change, man. Pulling out the classics. You know, okay, you know, just because we talked about this, my favorite one from Batman is this. So good. <laughs> so good. Okay, so moving forward. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow. It's so good, right? Holy rusted metal Batman. <laughs> That's the only one I ever remember Ow. either. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah I know. From yeah. the movie. Yeah, right. but it's not... Yeah, anyway, okay. All right. All right. This is bad. So, so we have... We're going to talk about Jim Davis's Garfield. Now, he, Jim Davis is a god. The guy makes, mm-hmm. has made and continues to make one of the most incredible comic books or comic strips ever. Brilliant, understated, just so good. Uh, and we could go on and on about it, but today what we want to talk about are nine things that I learned from Garfield. <laughs> we made a list of nine things. Nine? Why do you ask nine? Why because, nine? Because I only have sound effects for one through nine. <laughs> I haven't found number ten yet. <laughs> and, Come on. Cats have nine lives. Uh, there, there you go. go. See, I could have said that and not sound like in, as incompetent. In <laughs> okay, so so we'll we'll just we'll just uh, we'll just. Pass the pass the tablet around and let you guys decide. Okay, so pull back the curtain. We have a little tablet that we use to keep track of all our notes. Yes, exactly. Some someday when we're we're insanely wealthy, we'll all have like iPad threes or fours because that'll be when we're insanely wealthy. Yes. We'll have iPad twelves like at that go. point. So oh, no, no, no. We're talking twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Yeah, exactly. I expect, yeah, yeah, yeah. I expect you yeah. to be rolling in the dough. All right, the Brian has already uh, reserved his spot in my entourage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, am I in? Absolutely. Right, Anybody cool. yeah, wants yeah. to be man. Okay. You all right. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Casey's gonna be our bard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have like Casey like in a in like a in like a rocking uh, <laughs> wheelchair, like all wired up with speakers and a, like a and, and, and like a battery pack and his a Kai there. And he's gonna be like, yeah, yeah. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> down Rodeo, blasting uh, dubstep. This is it. This is it. So so number one or first thing. These are not in any particular order. Just to let you know. Nine. First thing on the nine things that I learned from Garfield, Mondays suck. Amen. Uh, yeah. Like, who likes Mondays? Not this guy. Well, you know what? You know who likes Mondays? My my uncle, who has Mondays and Tuesdays off. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, it all depends on when your Monday is. It's true. It doesn't have to be the actual calendar yeah, Monday, Monday is like a the idea more of than Monday. Yeah, yeah I, today is my Monday, actually. Oh, it didn't oh. suck, though, because I got to hang out, you know, chat the breeze and yeah, play a little tune. So, very hey, nice, very it, nice. It, it soothed it out. All right. So next up, <gasps> mornings don't officially start until... 
sunlight touches you. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is mine. I put this on there specifically because it's one of my most favorite comics where, uh, or the series of, of strips that he does where Garfield is like in his little sleepy box with his little covers over and ever so slowly the the light in the window is kind of coming closer and closer and closer and closer and then when it hits him it's like he like he reacts like he's just exploded into flames. <laughs> he, he's like, oh god, no! And then he's like, and he's like, looks all screwed up. He's like, oh, morning's here. He looks like he needs like a cup of coffee. Like, <laughs> this is one of my most favorite ones. It's so true though because if you like like are sleeping and there's no sunlight at all you can just keep on trucking oh. <laughs> but as soon as that That's sunlight right, hits you yeah. it's like bing time to wake up yeah <laughs> I when I used to work the graveyard I got physically ill whenever I had to watch the sunrise yeah <laughs> you, you turn into a man I've done that graveyard yeah, you just, go oh. I've been, I've been up all night doing nothing yeah and then the sun comes Damn I was sun, the, it's just so I was on the East Coast, so it was like 4.30 in the goddamn morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I like having a window that faces out to the west, so that uh. the sun doesn't hit me, technically, <laughs> until <laughs> way in the afternoon. <laughs> Alright. Kevin is an obvious culinary selection that lasagna <laughs> is awesome and it always will be awesome yeah, if true. you ever have tried lasagna <laughs> a nice stouffler's with did i say yes. that right stouffer's stouffer's rad <laughs> it's only because of garfield that i actually eat lasagna i'm i'm not a big pasta guy and sorry mom i love you but your spaghetti sauce not the best in the world to say Ooh. the least I get in trouble on that. You know what? Man. She's Asian, so her Asian food is rocking. <laughs> right. The Italian, not so much. Yeah. So I, I can forgive her for that. Um, <laughs> oh, so, but, but lasagna is but, lasagna. But, was one yeah, of my dad's it's favorite only the reason. Yeah. It's the only reason is because of Garfield. Yeah, yeah. I've Absolutely. never eaten it with my hands shoveling it in my face. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it. He tradition. does it fast. He does it like really fast. fast. We should have like a, the Garfield cup. <laughs> We'll like have to put down an entire lasagna bowl, like wham, barehanded. No, no. What we should do is speedy, like a thing of Stouffer's. Record it, put it up on on the site. Yeah, with buddy. the band banger crew. All right. So the next thing on the list is naps are the greatest thing ever. I second that. Garfield has the nap thing figured out. I didn't think so when I was younger, when I was really reading Garfield, like in elementary school and all that. But, <laughs> but like now, as like a full-grown adult who has to like go to work, <laughs> pay your taxes, pay your taxes. Yeah. You know, someone who actually has to deal with Mondays. Exactly, exactly. Like you know all of a sudden, exactly all of a sudden, naps like naps take a, a great new meaning. I took a nap this afternoon. It was awesome. power naps are the name of the game. <laughs> it's it's a hot new thing to do. <laughs> Everyone's Siestas, doing that, baby. Yeah, Siestas. Five. Five. Number five is always blame the dog. Poor Odie got blamed for everything, and uh, I, you know, I never really realized. Like, I always thought that was kind of mean of Garfield. I mean, sure, it's a it's a comic device, but I never really understood because I didn't grow up with the dog. Right. But then when I got a dog and realized the kind <laughs> of destruction that they were capable of, but at the same time, how much you love them, like dogs can get away with anything. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It is yeah. true. Like, I used to blame stuff on my dog. My dog has long since passed. I now blame stuff on my neighbor's dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Four. All right. So this one, 
has really carried some weight with me. Don't fuck with ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Because they are vicious. And just relentless, awful creatures. You tease them a little bit, and they're after you. And getting bit by a duck or any sort of waterfowl is very unpleasant. Geese, ducks, the whole the whole range. Well, it's interesting. I know that uh, JP's had some interesting run-ins with a gang of geese every now and then. Oh man, dude, geese are, geese are evil. And geese are really, really the you know evil bastards of the uh, mallard world of, of but, the animal kingdom. Uh, yeah, seriously, no geese. Okay, so my uncle lived on was 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 like was taking care of this ranch, and they had a gaggle, right? Is that a gaggle? Yeah, gang? gaggle. Okay. Yeah. So there was a gaggle of geese, and those bastards would like patrol his house. And so I'd be out, you know, messing around in the field and going hanging out with the horses and feeding them and just chilling, seeing the farm animals. And, you know, all the other animals had fences, but not the geese. <laughs> and so sure enough, those damn geese would always like, I mean, and it was, we're talking like, like eight of geese. It's a lot of geese. And when I was little, like, they were about as tall as I was. So you get this mess of evil bird pecking wings awful come at you with that <laughs> sort of thing. And anyway, so I was I was horribly afraid of geese because of that and could never get through until the day that I realized that uh, I didn't give a shit if I hurt the geese. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when everything changed. And I, I, I went out and found, like, went out and, like, searched around in, like, the brush and the trees and found an appropriate, uh, two appropriately thick, mean-looking sticks. <laughs> and then as a child, I mean, since then, I've gotten heavily into the martial arts, and so, you know, you know I maybe would have been able to handle myself better if I was more like that back then. But back then, my method... Just propeller arms, man. <laughs> just, just stuck both arms out, one arm pointing straight up, the other one pointing straight down, and then just, just like ran at them, just spinning as hard as I could. And sure enough, I just plowed right through those sons of bitches. Because nice. the problem is that you try and sneak around the back of the house, and they would keep the, them between you and the house. Like, they truly were patrolling the house. It was incredible. Guard geese, man. Yeah, it was guard Scariest geese, things exactly. ever. It's, it's the worst thing ever. But yeah, so I came through and I, like, knocked some of those bastards down. And they never bothered me again. They're like, oh, shit, that's the guy with the sticks, man. <laughs> and I remember hearing about how they really bullied you for a while. It was bad. It was Oddly bad. enough, like, I have a completely different thing going on with ducks. Uh, I had a duck as one of my first pets, and it was like a dog to me. It would follow me around. It was awesome. But you still wouldn't fuck with it. Oh, I wouldn't fuck with it. No, no. (laughs) I also won't eat duck because, hey, that's kind of like eating a pet. Um, But yeah, don't fuck with ducks. Uh, So, Three. three on the list is life is meant for enjoying. This is a sort of philosophical one that Joe brought up, and I think it's yeah. really good. Because, you know, everything Garfield did was to to just... Yeah. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. just, just better enjoy life. Just scarfing food, sleeping all day, kicking the dog, smacking a spider, you know. Blaming the dog, yeah, not what, fucking with ducks. <laughs> whatever he was into at the moment, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that now. John's got a hamburger. My hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) I want to eat? Wake up. Feed me. Yeah. Just, you know, the real Epicurean, everything is for your own pleasure. Just perfect, perfect lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's amazing how, in some ways, Garfield is quite enlightened. (laughs) 
Number two is weight scales and spiders are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Garfield always gets in some kind of a verbal fight with his weight scale and the, the like the local spider population. <laughs> and, and, and and somehow it always seems like the weight scale and the spiders come out on top. Although the spiders tend to get smashed, hmm. but like verbally the spiders like slap poor poor Garfield around. <laughs> <laughs> trying to lose weight or trying to cut weight for a sport. You know just how much of an asshole that weight scale uh, is. Grumble, grumble. Son of a bitch. And the spiders just never stop coming. They do not. No, they don't. If you start getting spiders in your house or apartment, you are fighting those little bastards for the rest of your stay there. And they will be there long after you leave. I'm actually trying to remember there's a type of wood that spiders stay away from. So, like, all the vaunted, uh, like, ceilings and stuff in Europe are made out of that particular type of... I think it's a type of cedar because yeah. spiders will not make their webs on them. So they don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. But That's awesome. Uh, yeah. One of the main things we've all learned from Garfield, screen doors are evil. <laughs> it's true. I, can, I think I can speak for anybody who's been at a party and been thoroughly <laughs> intoxicated. The screen doors are dickheads. Because oh, yeah. sure enough, you're just like, oh, I'm having a party. Blam! Right into the screen door. Uh-huh. Now, I don't think I've ever blown through a screen door, but I've, I've seen people do that. Normally, mm-hmm. I like wang my head on it because, you know, when you're, when you're uh, enjoying yourself... With stuff, you know, <laughs> no, but when, you know, when, you, when you're drinking with your friends and stuff like that, you know, I, I myself tend to get this like slight forward lean, <laughs> so like I get it in the nose. <laughs> uh, see, I I always get confused whether they're they open or they slide. <laughs> it, it, you can have it can that go both ways. There's yeah. just there's no good way. Nah. I'll walk myself into one that slides, or I'll pull the handle weird on the ones that open, and <laughs> and then you'll look like an idiot. Oh yeah, just uh, fighting a damn screen door for you know thirty seconds seems like an eternity. <laughs> I, I I won't say how many times I did this as a kid, but there were a lot of times as a kid and a teenager where I would go out. And I'm the one who freaking closed the screen door, so I should know better. But I would be outside in the backyard, like, shooting hoops for, like, hours on end. And I would just walk back in exhausted and, boom, walk right into the screen door. I won't admit how many times I've done that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's an embarrassing amount of numbers. Let's just, just put it that way. And you can't close them silently. No, you can't. <laughs> you cannot. Some weird physical impossibility. Uh, I don't understand. And, and then also, if you have cats, screen. Well, the thing is, is, if you have cats, you're never going to run into have problems running into screen doors because they're always going to be tore up to hell. <laughs> Dogs will also do the same thing. They'll like push against the bottom of the screen door, and eventually the bottom will break, and they can just get right in. Yeah, well, you know, it's like a little doggy door. You might as well just get them a doggy door. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have to go. Okay, cool. My time has expired. Well, That's fine. Uh, it's all good. Oh, it's good seeing you, a man. Pleasure. And an absolute right. case. Just, you know, <laughs> the ladies are calling. Yes, the yes. ladies are calling, absolutely. As long as you don't name them, so no, they, yeah. all think, they all think it was them. Actually, let me plug. I'm going to do a plug. Yeah, I'm actually plug. going to hang out with a couple uh, a couple of girlfriends of mine. One is a vocalist that I'm working with. Uh, her name's Devin, but her stage name for Air Plus is Addie Heloa. 
And she has a smash single out right now with our artist Adam Mon, in house producer, and it's called Night Driving. Check it out. She's incredibly beautiful, incredibly talented. So, uh, right in your cup. Tiger Paw has to go, and so we want to thank you for being here again. Uh, again, go to airplusrecordings.com, which is now live. It is and live. And also, uh, any other things you want to plug? Well, you know, I was uh, just looking at some of the great uh, ways to get music around the whole world, and a lot of people are catching on to Spotify. It's a great, great kind of alternative to Pandora. I am published on there, so uh, it helps me out. I actually do get a gosh of money, just a little bit, but uh, for every play. Uh, so if you're a Spotify, you know, just type in Tiger Paw. I'm the only Tiger Paw out there. You can't. Can't jock my originality or anything like that. Can't miss it. Yeah, you can't miss it. It's all up there. And give it some plays. You know, it helps me out, and you'll get some... And it's free for you. So check it out. Spotify that. Very cool. All right. All right. right. It's good seeing you again, man. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. You guys... Best of luck in the future. Absolutely, and well, you we're too. We're all gonna be millionaires on yeah. yachts. And we we and... really like like really pandamanga.com and the Pandamanga podcast is it, it feels incredibly blessed to be able to collaborate with Airplus. And moving forward, we're looking forward to it. And same here, and same here. Videos, yachts. Oh yeah, yeah. Buddy. It's <laughs> women, champagne, I'm on a boat. champagne. champagne. <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> Throwing money just out the window just cause. Yeah. Just cause. Just yeah. cause. Why are you doing that? I don't know. Just cause. It's because I can. Because. That's how comic book people roll. That's, that's how that's we roll right. hard. That's how we roll. These Have you ever seen are, Stan Lee? Are, that's how gangsters. he does it. Straight up OG right there. <laughs> now the artists are the true gangsters, you know. Any anybody in art. True gangsters. Seriously. Peace, you guys. Alright. Alright. The last thing we wanted to talk about with Garfield. Jim Davis's Garfield, which again we're all quite big fans of, uh, is <laughs> this great website that's come up recently and, and has become kind of the the subject of a great deal of of, of speculation. Uh, <laughs> is no www just Garfield minus Garfield dot net, and it's this website where basically they go in and they pull Garfield and, and Odie. Is it or is it just Garfield? I think it's just Garfield. Okay, but basically they, they basically because Odie never talks. They pull yeah they pull the talking animals out of the comics and it's just John talking to himself and it's this this like study into is John actually schizophrenic you know <laughs> and there there are some times where they kind of break the barrier where like John actually hears Garfield and is communing with him but for the most part Garfield is just musing and John just talks you know yes, and yeah. but but sometimes it goes both ways. But anyway, so it's a very funny website, and we just kind of wanted to muse about that. Like, is John schizophrenic? Like, is James Jim Davis trying to tell us something? Like, it's incredible how well it works, and how much of a simple thing. Just kind of let's just let's pull this this peg out of the Jenga tower, and it's like it's like wow, wow. Well, it also does that sort of thing. Uh, what's the movie? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Watch <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and imagine that. Ferris Bueller is not real. It's an imaginary character set up by, uh, made by the friend. Changes the movie completely. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I like the idea of uh, John being schizophrenic it, because of the animal thing. There's a great line in the cartoon series Avatar The Last Airbender which and is it's awesome a, which is a great series <laughs> if you haven't watched it it's on Netflix watch it thank Don't me watch later the movie. Um, 
Yeah. Don't watch the movie. Do not watch the movie. M. Night um, Shyamalan. But it's oh. it's in like the last four episodes because that was all kind of bunched together in a big, long two-hour movie. Incredible thing. epic awesomeness. Um, so it's where he's trying to figure out something. Aang, the main character of the series, is trying to figure out something. And he's stuck with his pet flying lemur, Momo, as the only other character around. And so he's talking and he's like talking to the animal and like trying to like talk back and forth. He's like... I realize that you don't understand me and we're not having a conversation, but imagining these things really helps me focus and figure out what I'm trying to say. And then after that, he's like, I'm going to pretend that you didn't pretend to say that. Um, (laughs) So, uh, and if you've ever had like a pet, especially with dogs, like I had this one friend who you get certain, like you'll notice that they'll put themselves in certain ways and certain barks will mean certain things. And in certain, like one of my friends believed that certain facial gestures meant certain things. Um, But you, you can definitely have some sort of thing where you can kind of figure out what they're saying. And then you can kind of work out, like have a conversation in some ways just to kind of make yourself feel better about certain things or help you like work through a problem that you're banging your head against for like the last month and a half or so. Um, even if I'm talking about programming and well, it's a dog. Um, so, um, and, uh, um, I actually joke that I had a few of these conversations with my brother's cat where we've worked out. I, Unlike uh, Tiger Paw Casey, I am not a cat person. Sorry, I know that he's not here to defend himself anymore, but I despise cats. I am also allergic to cats. Um, Yet my brother, who lives in Ohio, his cat and I get along fine. I joke it's because I'm aspiring to be evil and cats are just inherently evil. This this (laughs) one's trying to be a little bit better, so we have that in common. Um, And, like... I saw. I went back there for Christmas this uh, time of year, and the cat's always cooped up in the house because it's Ohio and it's cold, and usually it's outside during the summer and cooped up. And the cat just looked like it was insane. And I was like looking at him, like having some cabin fever. Yeah, I'm like, wow, Smokey, you look really nuts. And I imagined that he said to me, like, says the man who's having an imaginary conversation with a cat. And I was like, touche. Um, but then again, I am insane. So uh, so I guess I can't really say that. But we had actually talked about one time uh, before the podcast, we were talking about a comic strip where John was like, he walked out in his robe um, to get the paper. And he just was like disheveled and stuff and just yelled, don't look at me! And then uh, walked back in and Garfield was just like, Wow. So that right there is freaking nuts and paranoid and crazy. <laughs> but what do you guys have to say about it? Oh, yeah. What, uh, looking at those strips without Garfield in them, the reactions that he would be having, even if they had just taken out Garfield's... Um, word bubble? Yeah, his dialogue. Instead of actually the whole cat and yeah. the word bubble? Just getting the expressions like back from Garfield, he's reading way too much into what this cat is looking at. (laughs) You know, cat's eyes go wide. (laughs) You're right, I am insane. (laughs) Yeah, he if he's not crazy and he actually is hearing what the cat's telling him. He is probably spending way too much time with the cat. Fair enough. He's probably that, like, 
you know, those stories. The crazy old person with the cats or whatever, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, isn't John a artist? I believe so. Yeah. Is it a comic artist or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's like stuck at home all day in the dungeon. <laughs> Trust me, I know this. Yes. <laughs> Time consuming, guys. As a man who works at home, I can understand that as well. Yeah, exactly. You're stuck at home all day, like in the dungeon, you know, laboring with your pen and pencils over the paper and the tablet and the computer and whatnot and everything. And and <laughs> I guess especially see with dogs, because dogs will full on look at you what as, as long as you are like talking at them, they will look at you. Oh yeah. yeah. So you can like you can easily imagine a conversation. Oh, with a you dog. can tell that they want to be in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. like yes. It's like, I don't know what you're saying right now, but I'm very interested because you're paying attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so I guess, you know, wrapping up the Garfield thing, Garfield's is great, and we all love it very much. And if, you've, if you're living under a rock forever and you've never heard of Garfield, oh my God. Go or if you haven't, ag- or you've heard of him, because I right. doubt there's anybody who hasn't, but haven't actually checked out. I haven't actually sat down and, like, like read through a trade paperback of Garfield stuff. Watched any of the specials. Yeah. Or read yourself. a newspaper, ever. Or ever. read a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously, treat yourself and sit down and enjoy some of that. Oh, one last rant about Garfield. Or just our old, beloved animated shows from back in the day, like Garfield and Friends and, and uh, Scooby-Doo and things like that. Have you guys seen the trend for all those beloved, wonderful old shows shows to become 3D animated shows uh. and like lose their heart and fiber and, and character and charm? It's awful. And, and that yeah. coupled with the fact that most of the people that did the original voice acting for that have either moved on to other things or, or are dead. <laughs> like, you have these characters that are all weird in 3D now, and you have the wrong voice actor, essentially, for me anyway. So I walk in to watching, you know, some kids watching this, and it's like, what is happening? That's not Smurfs. This is horrible. Yeah, it's just twisted. You know, one neat one I, uh, I read on, like, a Yahoo post was that um, the voice actor who originally did Garfield also did um, the Vakeman character in the... Ghostbusters animated series. And then Bill Murray, who was Bankman in the Ghostbusters, did the voice of Garfield in the live action 3D. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that the guy who actually did the Garfield voice was the guy who did the Peter Bankman voice on the real Ghostbusters. That's kind of awesome, that's, actually. That's pretty great. It's like uh, the circle of voice acting life. Yes, <laughs> it all comes full circle. So, well, that's all we have for you guys today. Thanks for spending your time with us and listening to us in the background while you're doing work and not really paying attention to us. This is what happened to podcasts. <laughs> or listening intently, hanging on every word. Every amazing, awesome word that we have to share. Anyway, uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, as Again, as always, come and check out Panda Mango regularly for updates. We are moving closer and closer uh, to our full-on launch, so look forward to that. Again, I will try and post some sneak peeks of some of the work that I've been doing, as well as some of the work that Decaster has sent me, which I actually have received. Looks great, as always. Very, very skillful work. Amazing pen work. And, yeah, so... Also, so- on our site coming soon is going to be a poll, because that song that was... Uh, that song that Tiger Paw played is currently untitled. He's wants to try and figure out a title. So we are actually going to have a poll up on our site so that you can actually vote for what should the t- track of this, yeah, or will, the title will, of this I, track I, be. I will endeavor to put a uh, put that poll not only on our blog, but also on our podcast. Well, I don't know, probably just on the blog. 
Because yeah, we, we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, so look forward to that. Check it out and help Tiger Paw name a song. A song that will be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thanks to AirPlus Recordings for providing Tiger Paw. So thanks for Casey for providing Casey. <laughs> but we really enjoyed having him on. Uh, he had to leave a little early like you guys heard, but uh, it's just an incredible asset and partnership that we've been able to work together. And again, moving forward, I hope that we can continue to work together and you know work on things like, collaborate on things like you know, cover art and, you know, graphic design and things like that. And then eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, if I really end up liking and learning enough about the animation stuff, to have some cool animation to work with him and do some some music videos. So, so anyway, uh, so thanks for listening. And we'll next, be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll be back uh, every other week. And every other we week will, we will maintain the schedule again. Like I said, what got us derailed before has... has Thank God, gotten back on track and uh, is is mm-hmm. is doing is recovering and mom's doing good. Although well wishes and prayers are more than welcome. Yes, the, you know, thank you, thank you for anybody who who took my vague, <laughs> my, my my vague explanations about what's going on and and you know sent up some prayers to the big guy because it's always appreciated. It's uh, scary times for our family for sure. Yes. So, but so next time we will be moving on to the subject of zombie survival. Hopefully, this time we can have the complete. Zombie Egg team from zombie-egg.com, uh, Joe, which is part of that team as well, and we'll have back on the Eighth Henry and the Administrator. So, look forward to that in a couple weeks, and see you guys next time. See ya. All right, thanks for listening. Be sure to visit pandamanga.com for all your indie comic needs. If you have questions or comments about today's show, please visit our forums at forum.pandamanga.com. Anyone interested in becoming a contributor with Pandamanga, please visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. This is JP. We'll see you next time.
Welcome back to the Panda Med Cut. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. cock pass. Okay, cock pass, yes. <laughs> oh, no.